Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed boost pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Hello, listeners. Yes, it's me. It's Drew. Typically your co-host, but today your host because our good friend, my hetero life bait, the the reason that I get up at one in the afternoon, Chris was got too old this weekend and he lost his voice. So he's here with us, not only in spirit, but in video, but he can't talk. Lost his voice. Something happened. Like I said, I think it's mostly old age related. Um, but basically my goal of this podcast is to say something so egregious that he has no choice, but to put his health at risk to correct me. So, um, that's going to be the goal of today, but of course we're going to be doing kind of our, our normal wrap up. You know, typically we would do the banter right now. Be like, you know, Chris, what are you getting into? Oh, this Drew, what are you getting into? Oh, that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we can't do that today, but, Chris, can you give us a thumbs up? I mean, outside of losing your voice due to old age, are you okay? He looks so disappointed in this world. Oh, thumbs up. There it is. Okay. He teased us. He teased us. You won't see that at home, but it but it happened. Um well, yeah, we're we're back. We're on a we're on a bit of a hot streak. We really appreciate all the listeners uh out there continuing to tune in every single week and give us comments and suggestions and all that fun stuff. It's one of those silly things that I still can't believe people listen to this. It cracks me up. Um, and again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The only reason that we do this is because I just want to talk to rad people. And tonight's guest is one of those rad people. It's actually someone that I met years ago. And we had this magical moment sitting at Rumfest just next to each other trying to entertain people. And that was it. And it was gone. It was over in a flash. And then just a few months ago... I walk into his bars, our eyes meet, and it was magic again. Uh, this individual was a national finalist for the 2018 Bacardi Legacy competition. And he is the current bar manager at the Treasury. Our guest tonight, Luis Ramos. Luis, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for joining us. What is up? Thank you for that intro. You know, I, I actually, like, I still can't believe that that was when we met was Rumfest, what, like five years ago now, four years ago? It was one of one of my, you know, it was like my first or second one. I want to say you were working with with uh, a Martinique rum at the time. I think it was Clement. No, I think it was Denison. You're right. It was yeah. Denison because you gave me the biggest like pin, like a Denison pin that was like, it's still oh, today oh, is one yeah. of the most, like, you know, good bartenders and, you know, the like, we collect these pins. And the one that you had was, it's still the biggest pin I have in my collection. Like you would think it was for Disneyland. It is so yeah. obnoxiously huge. Yeah. That sounds like a Denison pin. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I thought, I thought we would get a little bit more reaction, at least visually out of the 2008 Bacardi legacy finalist. I mean, you know, you had, I, I was, I was trying to do the deep dive and it, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to dig up stuff on you. You've kept a clean record. <laughs> yeah, that's because there's, uh, there's not either not much to find or just bad stuff to find, bro. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. No, that, that seems like, like absolute ages ago, but just kind of sticking to, to the theme there where I met you at, at Rumfest, and then that's what you bring up. And, and that's kind of what I'm drinking in my cup as well is a little rum as well. So Well, that was and that was another thing that immediately kind of kicked off our newfound friendship where I walk in with mutual friend Travis formerly of Kettle, now of Lost Explorer Mezcal, and you go, I still have some of my coquito left. And we were like, well, we're definitely having some of that, which then led to the conversation about a now another mutual friend of ours, which is Raphael, who's our Sacramento Puerto Rican as yeah. we like to call him. And uh, Chris is bi- one of Chris's business partners too. Oh, uh, right. And you were like, I keep hearing about this Raphael guy. And I'm like, you guys have to meet because you're both Puerto Ricans and you both are into Coquitos and you have hard opinions on these. And no joke, a few weeks later, and also Raphael has been a guest on this, on this podcast as well. So, um, 
you know, so all this stuff was coming full circle, but you then did get to meet him. Like we put it in the universe and then it happened. Yeah, man. It was a, it was, it was a pretty magical moment as it is when any, anytime two Puerto Ricans meet in the West coast, it's like, you're Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican, bro. What? Que lo que hay? And then it's just a bunch of like unintelligible, <laughs> just like Puerto Rican mumbo jumbo, you know? So uh, it, it was, it was pretty great to meet him. Like, Super great dude, just like everybody said, and and then not only to get to meet him, and both of us be known for our coquito during like the 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 holiday season, but then to also judge a coquito competition with that guy, man, it was it was it was a pretty pretty special moment for my Puerto Rican heart, you know, to to have another one. So. One of the things that that we've discussed, is, you know, especially with with Rafael as well, is you know, coquito is such a huge part of uh, you know of most Puerto Ricans' life. And then when you do have a strong opinion on it, like you know, you almost guard that recipe like it is is you know everything that means something to you, right? Um, in sitting in sitting with Rafael and judging that competition, did you feel like an extra pressure? Like, you're like, do I need to be harder on these drinks that are coming past me? Because I know I have someone sitting next to me who also has hard opinions on this, or was it still kind of like, hey, I'm still gonna I'm gonna try to be fair to these these poor competitors who have to present coquitos to actual Puerto Ricans. I mean, what was that like? You know, it, it was actually, you know, I don't think I felt pressure more more of like a little bit of joy to have someone that gets it next to me as well because uh i mean it's kind of crazy man like coquito's been getting a little bit more prominent in menus here and there like th- as of this past year i saw way more people doing it out here and it's not even all by puerto ricans it's like you know like new york cats that moved to the west coast and and, and actually name one of the my fellow uh judges uh simone mims who's been huge when it comes down to coquito here in the bay area uh, so, so it wasn't really pressure. It w- it was more of joy to have people that would get it. Uh, and then as it turns out, like, as we're reading our scorecards, they're reading their scores. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a, Oh, like, I probably, I don't know if I should swear or not, but I was like, Oh, oh, yeah. oh Let cool. it rip. awesome. I was like, Oh man, I'm a fucking asshole. I was like, I, I was the harshest judge on there. And I was- <laughs> I think this is just like from me being judged so hard on competitions prior. But anyway, it it was it was a really cool experience to have them. Uh, Simone as well. She's she's she. I mean, she knows her stuff and she knows her coquito. So I mean, she's not Puerto Rican, but she's from New York. So it's like depends, I guess, where you grow up in New York. I mean, we're everywhere out there. So uh, I don't know. It it was it was a cool experience for me. Uh, and just bouncing things off of him too. Cause like, Hey man, what about this? And then we were like, Oh, what do you use as your base? Cause that's like the next big thing, you know, it's like, all right, Coquita for show. What rums are you using? Cause it's never just one rum. Right. It's always like a blend of rums. And, uh, and, and then that's kind of, I think as far as we went in the conversation, cause going back to like, you guard your coquito recipe we're like, <laughs> let, let's not even ask. Cause I know you're not going to tell me and I'm not going to tell you, bro. So I was like, yeah, blend of rums. Oh, no way. Awesome. That's great. Cool. This is what I use. All right. And that's where it ended. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's too funny. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's something that I don't think I had, you know, much of an appreciation for it until I really sat down with Raf and went through it. And, you know, and it's one thing that we talk about on this podcast a lot too, is that, you know, one of the best things about spirits and drinks and things like that is that you're really able to explore the world through beverages, you know? And even if you are, you know, maybe don't have the means to actually travel to these places, like hopefully you can at least go to go to a bar or buy the ingredients and be able to make things yourself where you're kind of like, okay, cool. Like you can just get a little bit, you know, of that. Um, so we'll, we'll move past the Coquito conversation because I know that this can go on for a while. <laughs> um, but, you know, just kind of digging through, you know, the past and trying to find all the different fun stuff that, that you've been involved with, you know, over the years in the Bay Area. So, you know, you come to the States when you're nine years old, I believe I read that correctly. And then, um, you know, start 
start bar backing when you're 18, 19 at the time you were studying to be an engineer and uh, just ultimately decided one day that that wasn't the path that you were going to go on. Um, is that when the mental illness of hospitality struck you and you couldn't do anything else? Is that is that kind of how that worked out? Yeah, I I think so, man. Like, I mean, I I, I grew up Mormon, and uh, when I when I hit high school, I just like I discovered weed and alcohol, and it was like a like a light bulb hit my head, and I was like, oh my god, there's so much fun shit to do, and like, <laughs> and that kind of just got me out of my shell because I was a super shy kid coming here from the states. I, I, first of all, I was a nerd. I was shy, you know, so. So like this got me out into meeting people and hanging out and the whole social aspect. Mind you, there's no reason a 14, 15 year old kid should be doing anything that I did. Uh, but uh, like going to college and then like going to school for network engineering, like you said, and I was living by myself and I found a hospitality industry because like as every 18, 19 year old kid does, you know, you end up at a coffee shop, right? Yeah. And uh and I just I don't know what it was, man. I fell in love with it and then I started barbacking by chance and there was just something about the stick in front of me and just everybody the res- the respect, the knowledge that these bartenders had. I was an absent. So it's like these old school cats, you know, with like the bow ties and, and the and the not suspenders, what do you call those things? The chalecas, the uh, the vests. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah the, the vests. I was like, man, these guys look so cool. And uh, I just, the nerd in me came out and I just started reading every book I could find. I had a fake ID. So I would start going to like cocktail bars to, to, to like drink cocktails. So I was like at Beretta at 20 years old. Sorry, Beretta. I totally <laughs> called you guys out. Like going through their cocktail menu and then going to like, uh, what, what's that bar in Upper Hate? Uh, uh, oh my God. Alembic. Also just with my fake ID going through all these just like great cocktails. I just fell in love with it, man. It was, uh, and after that, there was no turning back. Like I, I knew this was for me. I knew, uh, I knew that I just wanted to, I mean, at the time I didn't really understand it as much as I do now, you know, I was like, man, I get to party and learn and hang out with really cool people and meet great people. This is great. Now it's at the point is like absolutely point of no return. It's like, man, you get to make people happy and yeah, make cool drinks and and meet cool people. But there's just something about the the interaction and, and the happiness that you spread by just yeah and drinks bro like it's it's such a like what this is our job like what? yeah so so one of the things that i read was you know so you're at absinthe and you know it is this craft cocktail place and you know you're a bar back you're learning you're new to the industry and they weren't necessarily the nicest to you during that process so it was kind of a you know school of hard knocks but it was really at foreign cinema when you kind of fell in love with it and and then you probably just went into that mode where you were going to different cocktail bars and, and things like that. Do you do you remember there being like an individual that you were kind of like, oh, man, if I can do what that person does, I will I'll be there. And maybe it wasn't foreign. I mean, I mean, you've been at a lot of different places, Bourbon and Branch and the list goes on and on. Like, and are, there, are those those people that exist for you throughout your career? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first one was uh, Zandavos. Uh, so I would bar back Tuesday nights. Absent for Zan and, uh, oh my God, Raul. Oh man, Raul was an asshole. That guy like always used to almost make me cry like the first couple of weeks I was there. Uh, Zan wasn't the nicest either, but but like this kind of love relationship grew as I as I got better at barbacking. She like kind of took me under her wing, and I just I would just ask her questions, and she would just teach me mostly like service style because you know like they're a little more old school yeah they were like one of the one of the first non-hotel bars in the city to create a cocktail program that was amazing thank god to the guys that started that you know like too many names to name out but you know we all know those guys are they're like ogs in our in in our industry but uh yeah she was the first one that really started teaching me and i started falling in love with the industry aspect and then kevin dowell at 
at Foreign Cinema. Once he took over, I was already bartending at this point. I was like 21, but Jesus, I needed some direction. Kevin Dowell took over the bar <laughs> program. It was a huge deal, and he really took me under his wing, and he was really the one that steered me in the right direction. If it wasn't for Kevin, God knows where my my career would have been at. But, I mean, we all know Kevin Dowell, too, for, from 86 Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, Yeah, he really was that catalyst for me to go in the right direction. He helped me out a lot. Kind of took my nerdiness and my drive and my hard work and just pushed me towards the right direction and teaching me. Is there any... Uh, is there any lingering nerdiness that, that comes out, you know, from those days? Does it manifest in like, in like Star Trek trivia or is <laughs> I'm it, a, you I'm know, a Star Wars guy, Star Wars, Star Wars guy. guy. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. can still be friends. Yeah. Fine. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Live long and prosper, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a, what a horrible thing to believe in. I agree. Um, so, okay. So, so that's good. So now you, you know, so again, you, you, you make your rounds, you kind of, I mean, you get, you get the reins at bourbon and branches, which is one of the most infamous uh, cocktail bars and whiskey bars in San Francisco at a pretty young age, at least from what I read. I mean, it was like 23, 24. Yeah. It was at an irresponsible young age, to be honest with you. <laughs> there's, there's no reason a 23 year old should be the bar manager of that monster. But honestly, I mean, it, it, it put some hair on my chest, man. Like I, I learned the hard way. Those 12 hour shifts were no joke. Not just that, like, Hey, we all know future bars, those 12 hour shifts, eight hours of that was probably drinking. So it it was, uh, it was trial by fire. Uh, I also got to meet some cool people and honestly just having that bourbon and branch name associated with me, like helped me, be able to meet a lot of people because everybody was like, Oh, you work there. Oh, that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I mean, mind you, I was nothing compared to the cats that came before me, uh, and their legacy, you know, the Jason wilds, the, the, those guys, uh, I mean, Jesus, there's so many people that came from that place, but it was, it was, I definitely learned a lot. And, uh, later on in the years that, uh, especially at treasury. I took a lot of what I learned and what I don't like and what I don't want to do with my bar, you know? So it was, uh, and honestly the whiskey selection there, bro, that's what made me fall in love with whiskey. Uh, I remember when I started there, I was like, I do not know any of this back bar. And I was in the library bar, which is like the smallest bar there. Right. So I was like, I do not know this stuff. So every shift I would get in and I would pour myself a dram of one I would Google it, and then that's the one I would try to sell all shift. And then that mm-hmm. kind of helped me build my my knowledge, my palate. Uh, also, probably like the alcoholism throughout the shift too, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, that that was that was a monster of a place to work. I think my speed too just came from. I mean, I was already pretty fast, uh, but working in that front bar, bro, like a hundred something cocktails nothing is batched you're just getting destroyed and there was a lot of time you know you do that whole front bar by yourself so i I learned a lot man it was it was a long year and a half two years but it was it was definitely i wouldn't trade it for anything else that's awesome and just for our listeners future bars is one of the biggest uh if not the biggest bar group in san francisco they have quite a few establishments and um and actually former former guest jason wild uh, is now like their beverage director slash GM slash trainer. Like I, I feel like his his business card actually goes off the card with all the titles <laughs> and all the things that he does for them now. Um, yeah. So you so you brought up Treasury. That's where that's where you're at now. Um, Treasury is this like really unique bar, at least in terms of my interpretation of it so far. Right. So. You're, you're at the base of this office building. There's a coffee shop that's just ripping and roaring, looks like literally all day. And then, you know, work gets out. You guys blow up and just crank for for the rest of the night. Um, and, you know, we, we did a, we, you know, did a training the other day, which again, thank you for giving me the opportunity. But, you know, you it, it seems like, you know, you kind of have some, some greenhorns 
um, behind that bar right now. So it was really fun to listen to you kind of coach him up and be like, Hey, these are the things that are, that are important to me. Let's make sure we're communicating and all that stuff. But when you take on a staff, because that's what everyone's kind of dealing with right now is that we have a lot of new blood in this industry and we have, you know, people like you who again, have the mental illness of hospitality that couldn't get out, had to stay in it. Right. Where you're kind of like, okay, how do I, how do I take these things that I've learned and accumulated over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years and apply that, you know, or, or apply that here now. What's it like training people in a bar that already has such a stellar reputation to be able to convey, you know, it's like, hey, we're, you got to maintain this, but also, you know, do it these certain ways. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, <clears throat> excuse me. It, it's been a interesting time in my, now, now in my career, you know, uh, the past team that I had, after we opened COVID, you know, uh, during COVID, sorry, uh, they, it was a lot of great people. I also had a lot of people that had experience, you know, Casey Carr, Daniel Koo, uh, and then I had a few people that that kind of grew during that time, those two years. Uh, so it, it was a lot. I, I kind of learned a lot by, by having them because I was like, all right, these guys kind of know what it is, but uh, – after COVID, I kind of had like a little bit of a mindset. I don't know what it was, uh, but I came into the bar again and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do things my way and I'm going to do it how I think are is best. And that was when I first, first of all, I said, there is, my bar is a dry bar. I will never drink during my shift. Uh, I mean, mind you, there's been like when we have like big industry parties, right? And I'll have a dram or two towards the end but you know during service i was like this is one thing that i want to change going back to you know what i learned from my old days it was like i don't like that that uh style of bar anymore you know we are not here for ourselves we're here for the experience of the guests so i was able to actually convey that to the staff and and it it helped me grow quickly and a lot and uh, I was like, you know what, this is how we're going to take it. And it's going to be service first, you know, coming, we're all coming from cocktail bars. We can all learn the recipe. We can all do this, but how do we take it to the next level? And it's about making sure that that service is first. And I'm kind of trying to do the same thing with this new team. As you said, I got a, quite a bit of people that are green. Uh, when my bar back has never worked at a bar before, uh, but they, they're, they want to learn. So it's like, all right, this, these are the steps that we take and everybody wants to be like cocktails, cocktails. What about this? What about that? You know, it's like, how, how would you mix this? And I'm like, yes, of course, you know, th this is very important with what we do, but this is where we start. We start, how do we interact with the guests? How do we treat the guests? How do we present ourselves behind the bar? I'm always like, bar needs to be clean. Your station needs to be clean. The floor needs to be clean. The back bar needs to be clean. Everybody's welcomed. Everybody is, you know, giving a farewell, you know, that is the things that I instill in these cats, like hardcore, you know, everything mm -hmm. else we can work on throughout, you know, your, your experience with me. But, uh, that, that has been, I want to say challenging, but in a different kind of way, because it's not really what people expect, especially when they hear, like come to me, you know, it's like, all right, let's learn cocktails. And it's not really like that for me, not anymore. You know, like I love a good cocktail. I love creating cocktails. I love spirits. But what I love most is just service, bro. Like, we're, like don't take yourself too seriously. Let's make sure these people have a really amazing time. And that is what keeps bringing people back. Uh, our, our, our party program at Treasury is pretty much where we make our money, you know. And it's not – and it comes from starting with Tristan – who is our director of operations and partner, you know, he, he has this amazing way of just talking with people and, and getting these people in the door. And then after that is my job to have our team hold up those standards of service, you know? So it's once they get in the door, they're welcomed. Everything is ready. Everything is professional and their service is impeccable. Uh, doesn't help that we made damn good drinks and we got good, good spirits too, you know, but, uh, and that bar is just absolutely gorgeous, dude. Like, Jesus. yeah, yeah, it's so. pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I think, I think one of the things that, that I'm enjoying about this conversation is, you know, getting doing some of the background and stuff, which 
it, you know, as I already said, there's not a whole lot to pull from, but the stuff that I did pull from it, I can say that there's some, there's consistency there with you. Cause you know, years ago you did this interview where you were talking about your mindset and stuff and the mindset of, if someone says, thank you, you don't say you're welcome. You say my pleasure. And that mindset has driven kind of like your whole, um, I guess, ethos in terms of providing service and stuff like that, which I think is really, really cool. It's great to see that that's still very much so part of the process for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I lost it for a little while. Uh, I don't want to blame anybody except myself, but uh, I got I got this whole mentality nine years ago, eight years ago, you know, of like, I'm a cool bartender, fuck you customer, you know, like, which unfortunately was sometimes still is prevalent in our industry. You know, it kind of sucks to see it, but, uh, but I, I unfortunately fell into that for a long time, man. And, and finally my, like I said, like something just clicked in me and, uh, it was after getting out of like, a lot of personal stuff, you know, I was young, I was stupid, I was partying a lot. And, and finally, after you grow up a little while, you know, you start to realize what it is, what are you doing? Where are you trying to get to? What it is that you're putting out in this industry? And, and yeah, when I did that interview, that, that actually, I was taught by Zan when I was 19 years old. I said, you're welcome to somebody at absence. She said, don't say you're welcome. You're not the owner of the bar. You're not the owner of the building. You said my pleasure because it should be your pleasure to serve these people. That is what you're here for. And I was like, damn dog, that, that just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 19 year old me, bro. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh man, that you're like, thank you for that core memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, look at me now, 12 years later. That's still like, that is what resonates in me, bro. It's, it's, it is my pleasure. Yeah, it really, really is, you know. So I think I think one of the things that that I've been really taken back by in in the first two months of really working the San Francisco market is, you know, compared to Sacramento, which everybody knows, I, I love Sacramento. It is my favorite place in the whole world. And I love the chip on our shoulder that that we all have. But like in San Francisco, there's like. A good bar. Every 72 feet, it feels like at times, you know, depending on what area you're in. Um, just this past trip, it was like, okay, this place has a line out the door. Well, I'll just walk down a couple more blocks and I'll go to another place and have a really great experience, you know. And not to say that you can't do that in Sacramento, but it's definitely maybe a few more feet that you have to go before you get. And of course, we have our spots where we have a lot of really dope stuff can, you know, condensed together. But um, with that being the case... And just knowing that the competition is so fierce in San Francisco, like how does that play into your mind when you are developing your program, when you are training your staff? Like how are you trying to stand out from what everybody else is doing? Yeah. And and here we go again. This might just sound like I'm saying the same stuff, but literally any bar meeting that we have, any new person that I'm interviewing or training, I'm like, look, we're high volume. Uh, we, we make great drinks here. We try to use seasonal ingredients. I mean, like our, our program going on in the back, like I got, uh, like former Michelin star chef that helps me make like gums and syrups, bro. Like it's, we make cool stuff, but also at the same time, I know that my strength isn't in making the most ridiculous and elaborate cocktails, you know, like I, I can, I could throw down for sure, you know, like yeah, 2018 Bacardi Legacy Competition finalist. Yeah, it's yeah. right there. Like I'm down to throw down, bro. But <laughs> I also know, you know, like I know my weaknesses and my strengths, and I know that there's people out there that are making amazingly cool stuff that I just can never fathom, you know. So I'm gonna just make great drinks and also rely on some of my other bartenders. That you know, one of them being Casey Carr, who is a nerd when it comes to cocktails, like. Me and him would go out before drinking, and I'm like, bro, it's 11 o'clock at night. I stopped working. Stop talking to me about cocktails. But that's just how he is, you know? So so I try to gather myself around with people that that is their strength too, you know, because I can bounce ideas off, off, their, off of them. They can do the same. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Anyway, oh, sorry. So for what you were saying, what I – 
try to make sure that everybody gets that what we strive to be the best at is our service, man. And I'm telling you, that is what has made us so good during COVID. Like, bro, we're, we're, we're doing, my staff is making great money. Like everybody's talking about how the FIDA is dead, you know, and there's nobody there. And we're literally opening up a new bar four blocks away because that is how uh, confident we are in our system and our style, which is the guest first. Yeah. They're, that is what we focus on. Like the amount of time that our DO spends, the amount of hours he spends before the guest even enters a door, that that speaks volumes to what we're focused on, you know? And that is, that's it. It's, and for our listeners, what's your DO? What's the DO? Or who's uh, the DO? Director of Operations is Tristan yeah. uh, DeFoy. Okay. He, he uh, amazing dude, has been one of my greatest mentors. Uh, we were roommates, like I'm, we moved in together during COVID. Uh, we had, he was your bubble. He was your bubble guy. Yeah, man. It was oh, <laughs> man. us two together too. Those first two months of COVID. Oh my God. I don't, I, that was, I think I, it was one night where I drank like 24 Modelo's and a bottle of plantation pineapple. Natural pairing. Uh, I mean, plantation pineapple goes with everything. <laughs> <That's> uh, <right. laughs> But in particular, but, definitely 24 Modelos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had the worst <laughs> hangover of my life. I mean, up until my 30s. But yeah, uh, it was, I mean, he he's just a great dude. He's taught me so much. And he's kind of the one that also helped me see my strength, which has been in kind of directing. You know, uh, I, I love creating, but honestly, I just love being able to make sure that we focus on the guests. And, and that's the first thing that they get, you know, and honestly... Shit, once a guest has a great time, everything else could be like, okay, like you could serve me like an okay beer and an okay cocktail if you're super dope to me and I and and what I remember is that bartender, you know, that I could walk away happy, you know? Like I think I, yeah. I think that makes such a huge difference and and I know Chris is nodding in agreement right now um because, you know, he's just our little baby with his voice. <laughs> um but like one of the things that that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks is, you know, just the the reality of the situation is everywhere you go, it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive than where it was before. So you're just you're just spending more money regardless. It doesn't matter if you're going to a super high end place, medium place. It just doesn't matter. Everything's more expensive. So, you know, for me, I'm always going to give the most benefit of the doubt, you know, to to an establishment and stuff like that. And, you know, it does take a lot for me to be like, oh my God, I can only tip 15% here because like this was such a horrible experience, right? Because um, again, it's like, I'll pay a bunch. Like, of course I want the food and the drinks to match if I can, but at the very minimum, just like make me feel pretty because that's why I go out, <laughs> you know? That's all I want. Just make me feel pretty for like two hours, you know? You come in whenever you'll be the prettiest, bro. No, I will I, make well, you feel the prettiest. <laughs> I, think, I think, but, you know, one of, one of the the reasons that, that I, I have enjoyed, you know, just our short amount of time together is because you do make everybody feel like that, you know, like, uh, just, you know, cause again, I'm trying to establish myself in a new market. I have a ton of confidence when it comes to all the markets I've been in, in the last 10 years, but you know, San Francisco's a different beast. I don't know what to expect. I don't know how much you know, if, you know, how I'm going to get my knowledge to translate and, and all these different things. And like, and you have been so welcoming and, and a lot of people within the San Francisco industry have been so welcoming and I just can't appreciate it uh, anymore. But like you in particular, are really one of those ones that stand out to me. I just was like, I was like, wow, I had this opportunity to come in. You gave me a great introduction to your staff. And I just was like, I'm like, okay, like, I think this is my favorite bar now. Like, <laughs> this is, I've, I've never felt prettier. So, um, so, so I think, if you're making me feel like that and I'm one of the bad guys who's just trying to take money away from you by selling you booze, then I can't even imagine, you know, how pretty everybody else must feel when they're walking into it as a as a civilian, right? So I think that's I think that's really awesome that you're able to do that. And then, you know, the time that I got to spend, you know, with your staff and a few of the other times I've actually got to sit at the bar, like it's just amazing. It just really feels like you have everybody buying in at this point, which I think is so huge, especially in today's world where one of the things that we also discuss a lot is 
how do you hold on to good people? And you hold on to good people by increasing their skills and giving them more tools, right? So it's not just a good paycheck, you know, or a good night of tips. It's like, okay, I also learned this, this, and that, you know? So it's really this invaluable stuff that who knows what might be next for them, but hopefully they stay here. So you don't have to retrain somebody every three months. Right. So, (laughs) yeah, man. I mean, I've been, I've been blessed uh, post COVID with the staff. Not that my staff prior COVID wasn't great, uh, but I, I think the direction that I took mentally uh, when when rehiring this time and, and the staff that we kept and, and kind of built up, it was uh, I've been very blessed. Like these guys have been amazing. And and I and honestly, I think it's all been a lot because, uh, yeah, honestly, look, I, this isn't for everybody. This isn't for every bar. But look, we open at noon. We get at 10. My my favorite thing has been that we do not drink on shift. Everything goes according to plan and how it is. You don't have any drunken debauchery. Everybody leaves there at ten thirty, maybe eleven. We all go get a drink somewhere. You know, it's yeah. like and and having that sort of mentality that when when we're here, we're here to make sure that we everybody has a great experience. Mind you, we have fun, bro. Like we put on like ratchet music or just fun stuff like that. You know, people love it, but uh. I think I think just that it's a healthy environment to be around, man, because not only can I eloquently explain like what I need from somebody at that time, you know, because first of all, I'm not stressed out nor drunk, you know, like that that vibe reflects really well to this to everybody around you. Like there's nothing worse than like a drunk manager, bro, that's like stressing out. You know, right. it's like, right. it's, it's horrible. And I've been that manager. So it's like that, that carries over a lot. And that just, it's a healthy work environment. And, and I don't know, I, I don't know if you heard, but towards the end of the bar meeting, I ended it with this, which I usually do. Actually, I was like, guys, last thing, I want y'all to take care of yourself, take care of your health mentally and physically. If you guys yeah. ever need time off, if you ever need walk in, you tell me, mentally you're not okay today let me know because we work in a very mentally tough industry like we we as a whole we we come into this industry because we love it and mind you there's a lot of those bitter bartenders that you're like bro why are you even doing this you fucking hate people like but uh (laughs) but overall you know like we we all day we're here taking care of people. And as a manager, you're also like take, making sure that your staff is okay. It's very difficult to end the day and take care of yourself without being like, I'm going to take care of myself. So I'm going to go drink. Right. Right. You know, so it's, it's a, it's a thing that we fall into. And, and that's something that I, I fell into hard, man. And I'm just happy that I was able to get out of it and, and really, I convey that to the staff. I'm like, I care about your well-being because right. I know how hard it is. I yeah. know that it's hard to take care of yourself when literally all you're doing is taking care of other people, you know? So we we can all fall into very difficult mindsets that are, it's like a snowball, you know, and it just continues, continues, continues. So yeah, I, I wasn't sure if you heard that, but that is like one yeah, of my I, biggest things. No, I did. And and I was I was really happy to hear that. I mean, that's something, you know, uh, again, it's mental health means a lot to both Chris and I. And, and we both talk about our mental health pretty, pretty openly. Um, you know, it's something that I struggled with for years. And then, um, you know, it was I don't know if it was funny, but, you know, there was a there was a time where when I was really starting to be vocal just about all the different stuff I was going on, I was going on with. And my mom's like, can I take you to lunch? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I'm going to lunch with my mom and She's like, I didn't realize it was that bad. It's like, well, let's, you know, back it up. It's not that bad. It's just like, these are the things that I'm dealing with. And and it's funny because I still have my bouts with anxiety and depression and all that stuff. And it's funny how it manifests now, even despite taking medications and whatnot. Um, So like, for example, tonight I was at my daughter's uh, gymnastics practice and there's a 15 minute window where the previous class is leaving and the other class is coming in and there's just way too many fucking people in that little gym and it drives me nuts and everybody's touching me and I just like, you know, and no one has control of their kid. It's just, it's insane, but I get through it. It's the worst 15 minutes every Monday, but I I get through it. Um, 
one of the things I did want to point out is, you know, so you have, uh, you know, Sacramento often loses our rising talent to, to San Francisco. You know, everybody runs for the big lights. And so you have Rodney, one of one of our guys who was coming up to the Sacramento ranks and jumped to San Francisco and has been with you for, I just, I believe only like, you know, two or three months, right? Um, yeah. And so we, you know, of course we see each other at the training the other day and I got to talk with him after. I just want you to know, and I don't think I'm blown up his spot, but he's just like, he's like, I love it here. He's like, I've learned so much. It's so much better. He's like, so, um, you know, so maybe give him more ships. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I told him, I was like, bro, where are you at now? Hazy's? Yeah, you'll leave there. You, you, yeah. You'll leave. You'll, you'll come here. Uh, yeah. Man, what a good, I, I just want to say, what a good hearted dude, man. Like we, I don't know about him. I vibed with him so hard during like his interview. Like I, I wouldn't even call it an interview. It was more like a fall in love moment for me. I was like, <laughs> man, this guy is just my type, bro. Like he comes yeah. from, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna call every bartender out right now that didn't bar back, but he bar backed for like two, three years. He put mm-hmm. in his put in his dues, worked really hard, and just has this like man, like he has this aura around him of just like niceness he's just like a really good genuinely good person and like i just love talking with him and i'm just like please just come here like he told like i think he i emailed him maybe 30 minutes after we talked and i was like <laughs> it, it, i i wasn't like please but yeah please sir, please come here uh but it was like bro and then he was like oh well i actually just got this other job i was like hey man i got like Tell me what days you're off. You got shifts, but uh, yeah, good people. Sorry, Sack, that we took him from you, but uh, yeah, we're we're very lucky to have him. It makes me very happy to hear that he's also happy at our establishment. I mean, that's all I can ask for is to to make sure that these guys are happy, and making money. You know, right, right. Well, no, and we love hearing it, and and again, it's something that I think uh, one of we want to continue to trumpet those those situations and stuff like that because i think far too often you know we're we're not really celebrating the people who are putting the emphasis on that stuff and and i think the the reason for it is because it's a little weird to be like hey guys do you see how much i care about my employees you're kind of like do you because then it also makes it inauthentic right so it's this really hard balance that you have to try to you know kind of um you know get there and and go back and forth with and so I think, uh, but you can tell, like when you, when you walk into a place, you can tell if people are happy, you can tell if people want to be there. And, um, and, you know, I've been again, really, really lucky to, to have the interactions that I've had at that place and some other adjoining bars as well. So we're excited about the new spot that you're opening up in the financial district. He's got the hat on. It's called Heartwood. Heartwood, sir. We open up next Monday. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess, I guess you have an order coming my way then. Um, so <laughs> so it's, uh, that's exciting. That's so great. So yeah. Art would make sure uh, you guys go and get that. But I think now it's time for our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay. So we got two stories for you. Uh, Luis is just cracking up at our news music because now he understands why we played it earlier. Um, the first one I want to talk about is actually something that we've kind of touched on before, but and it's going to be in a new capacity. Um, Brad Pitt's champagne was served at the Oscars this year. And, and everybody knows like I'm infatuated with stories like this. Like how do these things come to fruition? And it was literally like, publicists reaching out to their winery and now at no point did brad comment because i think him and angelina are still fighting over who owns what and and all that but it was really interesting to learn how this 400 hundred dollar bottle uh of champagne got this placement had you know unseated a previous champagne that had been the call for the last seven years right so no no easy feat um Luis, I wanted you to read this one and to kind of sort of because without question, being in the treasury is a significant placement for any spirit, beer, wine, whatever the case may be. 
So you are going to be approached with with all this different stuff the same way that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the level of the Oscars, although you might be more popular than the Oscars. Those numbers are terrible these days if you look into <laughs> it. But when you when you do have these, you know, these brands that are looking for this notoriety and looking kind of for this different stuff, like how do you navigate that between being like, wow, this is like a really lucrative deal versus like, does this align with my ethos in terms of the bar and everything that we're trying to do? Does this align with my taste buds? Like, is this even going to work? I mean, you know, what's, what's that process like? Because, you know, again, the Oscars are this one-off, right? I mean, it's significant. It got a lot of traction. Brad's probably feeling pretty good about the fact that that was his stuff being poured. But for you, when you are approached with these types of opportunities and things like that, what's that, what's that, process what's the mentality towards these types of products well man it's uh i I think i'm just i've i've learned a lot from mostly tristan and then my time behind the stick as a buyer as well uh as well as trying to sell it to people i'm i really like you're from who like who may like i don't care like if God himself owns you, bro. Like, are you good juice? Am I going to be able to get my staff excited and move it? Uh, Are you ethical, at least, with, like, your production process and everything like that? And uh, price tag obviously matters to me to see if we're going to move it. There's a lot of times that I have homies come in and and it's like, like I think I told you I was like that that back was it Bacanora that you were that you had? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I was like this isn't going to sell here, you know, but I still right. bought some bottles cuz I was like, bro, this shit is delicious. I want it. You know, I'll buy it. Uh but uh yeah, it's just at times, you know, it's just I don't want to say it's hard to say no because it's not anymore. I'm really I'm very transparent. I'm like this isn't going to move. Uh this isn't going to move, but you know, it, it's sorry. And it is what it is. So I don't know. It, I don't want to say that I'm very cold about it, but I'm very direct because I don't want to waste anybody's time. We've all been there. Right. Right. It, right. It's like, yeah. So it's like most, it's like, if you just, if just like, you know, it's like ripping the bandaid off. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I know that for myself, I feel like, you know, on the other side of that equation, if you do tell me, I almost want to go out of my way to like give you hugs and kisses just so I'm like, I'm like, great. Now I never have to bother you about this again because we've been straight with each other. And now, now we know that it's like, okay, like this is, this is enough because I mean, again, you know, you probably see multiple reps per day, right? Because you're kind of like this golden egg, like, Oh, make sure you get the placement there because it is a beautiful bar. And I think one of the things that I, I truly appreciate it is, although it's a big back bar, it doesn't feel overstuffed, you know? Yeah, it it could feels be, could be very better. cultivated. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of, I'm still trying to get rid of some stuff that uh, <laughs> I, I inherited from past management. I'm not even going to get into that. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it, I think... Slowly but surely over the past four years, we've been able to start cleaning it out a little more and, and kind of getting some more stuff that we want, especially with the with the mezcal section. Uh, I love mezcal. I worked at Lolo for like two years and that grew my love for mezcal. And uh, that place is awesome, by the way. Yeah. I've like been walking into Lolo like I had no idea what I was in for, but it's this. You know, it's a this Mexican bar in in San Francisco. Like, holy shit, what an experience! Yeah, man, that place by far still my favorite bar restaurant in the Bay Area. I I love that spot. Uh, okay, but I'm sorry. So you so your love for mezcal oh yeah. grew there. Yeah. So anyway, so mezcal tequila selection, our gin as well. Like it, it's pretty curated. Uh, our scotch selection and Japanese whiskey selection too, you know, I'm very particular on what we continue to carry there. I'm still, once again, getting rid of some stuff like, like for some reason, someone prior to me bought like literally eight of all the compass boxes. And I'm like, there's no reason why we need all this. So, (laughs) but, uh, uh, not saying that compass box isn't amazing, but, uh, yeah, it's, 
it's I, I like to I like to create relationships with whoever I'm going to carry back there. That's why I love Loxus Flora so much because, first of all, great juice. Second of all, like the people are amazing. Like Robert Gonzalez, prior you was my my guy, and uh, me and Rob go go way way back, bro. Since I was baby baby Luis, twenty one years old, <laughs> uh, and he's always just been a dude that like. He'll hit me up. He'll be like, hey, man, I'm working for these guys. Do you want to taste? I'll either be no or yes, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then now with you, obviously, I was like, it, it's even better. It's like, it's so it's whoever I can create a good relationship with. That's who I really carry. Like St. George didn't have a person for or I didn't see a St. George person for like five years, bro. So we yeah. weren't carrying St. George and it's St. George for God's sake. You know, it's like, it's literally right there. Right. You know? And it's, but I was like, I haven't seen anybody. I didn't even think about it for years. And then all of a sudden, one of my old bar friends is working for St. George. I'm blanking out on who it is right now, but that's is it, is it Claire? Thank you. Claire Spock. I've met Claire's her for the first time like three days ago. So look at, look at me. There you go. Dude, I'm, I'm the worst at names. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hope she doesn't he- listen to this and then I'm going to get a really angry text message. But uh, Well, do you do you carry St. George? Yes. So but she can't, then she can't get mad at you. This so. is true. Thank you. All right, right on. Please remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we're carrying St. George again. And, and, and there's no reason why it wasn't. It's not like I'm salty. It was just like it's about the relationship. First of all, yeah. I suck at remembering names, as you all just witnessed. <laughs> I I will remember everything else. Your kids, your your what your wife did the other day, or, or husband, or uh, and like what I will remember so much shit, but I will not remember your name anyway. Yeah. Uh, same thing with what I carry. I'm like, if I see you and we have a good relationship, that's where the placements start going. Obviously, when it comes to the well and the cocktail stuff, like. That is Tristan's realm, and once again, it's all about relationships. Yeah, you know, like we we hang out with these people, we spend time with them. They're they actually grow to be friends. It's a mutual, it's mutually beneficial, right? You know, that's totally kind of what we do with these brands. But uh, it's like I want to get to know you for real. You know, like, and here we are, you and me. You know, it's like that's kind of how things progress. Well, and it, and it speaks to why I'm here anyway in this industry. It's like, it's about the people. So it's yeah. like, don't just come to me and be like, hey, this stuff is like 10 top in the world. We're going to sell it to you at this. And then I'm going to swipe this. And I'm like, well, like, I haven't even seen you. I don't know who you are. Like, <laughs> you're kind of it's a always, dick anyway. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, in, in the end, you know, it's like, it's, it's something that you want to create, you know, a mutual beneficial, you know, beneficial relationship. And, um, and I do think that, you know, you're pretty fair when it comes to, to trying stuff. And I mean, on that same tasting where we had the Bacanora, you also were like, Hey, you know, I'll try this Reposado, but I'm not going to buy it. And then that was the thing that you bought. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you, Hey, you got me real good there, bro. Like yeah. totally caught me, bro. I, Cause yeah, I'm, I'm usually like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just can't carry it. But Honestly, it was bomb. It was really good. <laughs> you, you you really took my wall down, and, and that's that's no small feat. I'm usually really good about holding back. Well, I mean, hey, that's that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yep. Um, yep. So I do have a question for you because I think you bring up something that I think plagues a lot of bar managers, and that's inheriting way too much bullshit that they're not responsible for, right? <laughs> Right. And it's something that I feel, I mean, cause again, this is also, you know, kind of a transient industry as well, where a lot of people move and, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's just, there's so much movement that people will come in, they'll load up a bar with all their things and then they leave. And it's like, okay, now I'm sitting on again, not a knock against compass box. I think we all agree that it's fucking great stuff, but when you have eight bottles of every skew, that is a lot of whiskey compass box puts out a lot of whiskey. Yeah. So, I mean, if for our industry people that are listening, do you have tips on getting rid of like overstock? Because I feel like that's just a, I mean, I mean, you could probably sell it for a million dollar idea, but if there's anything like that you find that works for you, bro, slushies way to go. Yeah. Honestly, start throwing stuff into slushies. Everybody's got a slushy machine. Now, if you don't, 
hit one of your brand people up. They'll get you a slushie. Uh, totally legal, guys. Totally yeah, legal. Just hundred percent. Yeah, they uh, can't buy it for you, but they they know people who can get it for you. How about yeah. how about that? We're not we're not at, we're not saying to do anything legal. It falls off a truck, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, second, start making flights. Like it, it, it's it's a pain. It might be annoying. Uh, you might not even have that in your current program. But honestly, you are not put in like two well-known names and one of those that you're just trying to get rid of. You're going to move through it like this. All right. Yeah. If you don't have a flight program, create one. Just even if it's for like a month or two. Uh, yeah. Another one, highballs, man. Just start rolling out highballs. All right. Uh, like it's an easy way to drink. It's an easy way to start a conversation. Hey, what's a highball? And then you're like, oh, so this, and then this is a spirit that we're using, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, uh, we like Beehive and us, we literally have highball programs and we run through that stuff. Like we go through so much Toki. I go through so, right now I'm, I put, uh, I'm not going to say the name, but I put a vodka that is flavored <laughs> that I inherited uh, into a highball and I'm finally moving through it. And I was like, why didn't I do this four yeah. years ago? You know, it's like, it, I count it in inventory every month. I know it's there anyway, just highballs, flights, slushies. Those are easy ways to be able to get rid of it. Now, if it's something good and it's just expensive, educate your staff, man. Hey, this month, this is everybody's favorite gin. This month, everybody's favorite rum is this one or whatever it is, you know, educate it. You're kind of killing two birds at that moment. You know, it's like you're educating your staff. You're also getting uh, way too much product that you had. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that is one way. And honestly, that is like a difficult thing to do, man. Like we've all been there. We've all walked into that bar program. You take the job or you like take over, you know, the bar manager leaving or GM leaving and you're like, cool, let's start doing cool stuff. And then you look at the inventory and you're like, we'll do cool stuff after we get rid of 3k worth of inventory, you know, or or more. Like when I took over, I think we were at like 85 K, which is absurd. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, I saw your, your, your eyebrows raising there. Yep. That's literally, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Now I think we finally float between 60, 65, which is still a lot, but the things that we have a lot of great wine and we have a lot of, anyway, no, I don't I mean, need like, to get again, into why, the, but still 20 K yeah, less. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. I mean, in, in you know, uh, I, I can't speak enough. Like I've only seen like the first wave come in, but I'm just like, I just know that those waves are hitting over and over again because it's just kind of, and this is probably going to fall deaf on your ears because you don't have a small child, but there's there's that movie Zootopia where they show like all the lemmings coming out of their apartment building or out of their, out of their work building. And uh-huh. he like just directs them over to like popsicles and they just all go right. Like they just come out of their building. It's like the end of the workday and they just buy all these popsicles and, and whatnot. And that's just kind of what it seems like. Like those elevators come down. Although I know your guys' elevator is broken right now, but you know, yeah. people come down throughout that building and then it's just like, they all just converge. It's like, you pick your vice, you go left, you go and get your coffee and caffeine. You go right, you go and get your booze and maybe some, something to snack on, which also your guys' food is goddamn delicious. So I was not expecting it, but you were like, the sandwich is really good. I trusted you. You were totally right. Um, so, you know, get the drinks, but also get the food. And yeah. and then be careful of the highballs, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, All right. Let's go on to our dope follow. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, you know hold on, hold on. He's, he's, he's got to play the right sound drop. He played the wrong one. Come on. You have one job tonight. You know dope? <laughs> Them over there. Okay. All right. So now we're doing dope follows. This is my favorite segment because this is where we're going to tell you who you guys should be checking out. Could be a book, another Instagram, podcast, movie, whatever the case may be. Uh, we just want you guys checking out more cool things. So, Luis, who is your dope follow? So I was going to throw in uh... – this guy that somebody showed me the other day. Oh, no. He disappeared. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to have to turn change to something else. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> y'all, 
I love like I love hiking. I love trying to travel. I say trying because I don't do it enough. Uh, uh, but uh, also just trying to learn how to take pictures. Like I'm trying to teach myself to take photographs and stuff. I suck, but whatever. It's still fun, and I do it, and it's for <laughs> myself. Uh, but this uh, this one photographer on Instagram, Ever Changing Horizon, has the most amazing pictures, y'all. Like if you're ever just like sad or 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 stoned and happy, it's you see, that's how good he is. It can get you at both <laughs> ends of the spectrum. Like like just look through through this page. He's got some of the most amazing photos I've ever seen in my life. Man, like amazing videos too. It's just like it, it's so dope. Like uh but anyway I had another one. It was uh this guy who's making videos but I lost it. This is what I get. You know, can't remember names, bro. Can't remember it's, any names. It's it's brutal. I mean, you know, you you kind of see like the scramble that we do at times too, because it's like you go through like let's say your Instagram feed throughout the week or or you check out a show and you're kind of like, Oh, this is this is awesome. This is gonna be a great this is gonna be a great dope follow. And then you get to the time and like you see both those before, like, wait, who was that? And you're trying <laughs> to find them. You know what I found out tonight though? And and I and I'm gonna feel bad because I'm not gonna be able to explain it to you. We'll have to bring on my brother to do it. But you can like go through your Instagram and check all your activity and find out all the things that you've liked recently. Which I was like, what? Like he showed me he was doing it, and I just was, and I felt like the oldest person of all time because <laughs> I just was, I was like, wait a minute, how did you do that? And he just, oh, you just do this and this and this, and I was like, okay, well, I'm out. I, I have no idea what you just said to me. Like uh, I'm trying to explain. You know, like I'm trying to like figure this out, and you went way too fast. It's like you're you've you've, you've dated me. Oh, so hilarious. Uh, but it's just, yeah. So don't don't worry about it. We totally get it. Um, okay, so I uh, I'll get in. We'll get into Chris's because obviously he can't he can't share with us. But his is uh, the mindful mixologist. So it's mindful underscore mixologist on Instagram. Um, he's typing some notes about it. I bet they're mindful. I bet they make drinks. Um, let's cool. see what he has to say. I can't find my phone to to look them up as well. It's a great cocktail blog. Very, very pretty drinks. Wow, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous drinks. Oh, so and, not, we... and, and not like stupid Instagram pretty drinks. These actually look pretty like, oh, these might actually taste good. That's amazing. <laughs> Let's see. A couple of guys that we know too, probably. I'm into it. Okay, so again, so that's mindful underscore mixologist. That's Chris's don't follow this week. And then mine is actually going to be um an Instagram account and it's it's uh you know baseball season is upon us. Uh, Luis, I don't know if you're a big baseball fan, but oh, absolutely. Okay, Giants, baby. Okay, so we have so we have that in common, and then you know, I, I, I you know, you got to be careful about how much you lean into the Puerto Rican thing with Puerto Ricans. So I didn't know if I wanted to talk World <laughs> Baseball Classic with you yet, but now I know that you're in. Oh, so oh, bro, I mean, I'm about to dye my hair blonde after seeing those guys just whoop on everybody. Dude, they look amazing. So, yeah. um, but uh, the the. Uh, the Instagram account is MLB elites underscore. And so they just do all kinds of different clips. They're usually funny or they're usually like breaking down different parts of the game and stuff like that. So with baseball season upon us, the world baseball classic ripping and roaring right now, um, which also, can we talk about great Britain's uniforms? Like, are you kidding I have me? Not seen them. I have you, not seen them. So friend, friend of all of ours, uh, uh, Josh uh, uh, Gelflin, Made, oh, the, yeah. made, made the comment that the jerseys are just as bland as British food. So, um, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. So, uh, uh, I, I just had to look it up and it was literally, I was like, Great Britain, first thing on the search. Yeah. The jerseys. Baseball uniforms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They look terrible. Oh, my God. It literally just says Great Britain. Yeah. It's like someone just like, you know, they're like, they did not have time to, to do that project. Um, well, Jesus. you know what? Those were some pretty dope follows. Yeah, 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 I like it. All right, the Good Bottle Podcast is in front of me now with the script. 
Um, sorry, it saved as a PDF, so I couldn't find it right away. Uh, the music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by Leon and Chase Moore and produced awkwardly by us two guys, Drew and Silent Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, we ask that you subscribe and please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Simple things like that make a huge difference to our podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram or uh, Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast.com or Bit Good Bottle Podcast or our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison Six. Chris is Chris and uh, Sinclair. That's gonna come out totally normal. Um, <laughs> Luis, where can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, I'm on IG only. I do not have the Twitters or whatever the kids do. Uh, but yeah, IG uh, Louis Trey ninety two. Great name. Yeah, I great name. Stuck with that for a while now. <laughs> Has anyone ever approached you to buy it from you? Obviously not that often, but uh, since I worked there, we're on our second second bottle. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's mostly uh, uh, black amixes, but yeah. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. That's always that's always fun to fun to do. Um, as always, we'd like to thank you guys for for tuning in and listening to our buffoonery. If there's anyone that you think we should talk to, reach out to us. And we'll make sure that I go out do all my heavy drinking and get the liquid courage up to ask. And I do it because I care. Uh, so cheers guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cheers y'all. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Chris, can you give us just a little bit of your voice? So people believe that you're the worst, just a little bit before you turn it off. Hi everybody. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, when your voice is better, I need I to know you what so you did. Much. Oh my god, it's so bad. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. Oh my god.